Episode 156 is here, everybody, with sleep expert Daniel Gartenberg. And uh, this is a fantastic episode. Again, the, the value that we keep bringing on these episodes, I'm really excited about because I'm bringing on people from all different walks of life who are able to share value and insight with us to improve our lives, to ultimately get to that optimal life, that optimal way of living. And uh, Daniel is no different here. He sheds a ton of light, ton of insight into uh, sleep, sleep deprivation, its effects, and how to uh, overcome some of those uh, sleep issues and get better night's sleep. And uh, I know this is something that affects me and affects a lot of people throughout, not just our country, but throughout our world. And uh, sleep seems to be a growing topic and a growing of growing importance, as you will learn in this next conversation with uh, Daniel. Before we get there, everybody, please click subscribe and join the family if you haven't yet. Continue to share, rate, and review the podcast as you see fit. And I truly appreciate everybody continuing to join along. With that said, everyone, as promised, please sit back, relax, and welcome the one and only Daniel Gartenberg. The Optimal Life. So I... Uh, I am a person that's really, really, really into this topic of sleep, especially over the last few years, Daniel, because um, it's something that I've found in myself and my own sleep patterns have been impacted in an adverse way. And I think it's gradually been happening to me over the course, ever since I had kids, and this goes back 10 years, I find myself sleeping less better so this is a really near and dear topic to my heart i'm hopeful that you could unlock all the magic today and help me get to a better place i think after today you'll 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 sleep maybe a little bit better that's my goal (laughs) so to talk about this um first off sleep why is sleep so important I mean, it's the human behavior we do the most of, which is why I'm so passionate about it. And the more, if we just look into it a little bit and we start to unpeel the onion, we see how it literally impacts every single chronic health outcome. You know, it's related to cardiovascular disease, um, especially if you have untreated sleep apnea, cancer. I study in my focus in my research with the National Institute of Health um, uh, through a collaboration with Penn State University is actually on how improving people's sleep can help mitigate their translation into getting Alzheimer's disease. Um, so that's my current uh, specialty and area of focus. Um, but, you know, everyone can relate to that brain fog feeling when you're not getting enough sleep and you're cranky. Um, and so, you know, personally, I use it just to optimize my performance. Oftentimes, I don't necessarily have a sleep issue. Um, but I'd love to delve into what happens with parents because I see it all the time. Um, and I, I can give you some keen insights on, on how to maybe help that situation. I would love to hear that. But before we get there, please elaborate a little bit on the uh, Alzheimer's thing. I find that fascinating. So you're trying to... Are you doing studies? Are you trying to come up with cures and solutions? What's going yes. on? Yes. So I was fortunate enough to receive a, med- a major grant from the National Institutes of Health to run one of the biggest clinical trials on wearable devices, um, where we're getting a group of folks, a hundred, a uh, hundred people around um, that are sixty-five years and older who suffer from insomnia. And what we're going to try to show in this study is that by helping them with their sleep um, using cognitive behavioral therapy and some unique solutions that technology that we've created, 
um, we can actually reduce the likelihood that they would get Alzheimer's disease because there's some really strong research coming out recently showing that sleep and deep sleep in particular, that regenerative stage of sleep, is how we clean out um, these pathogens essentially that form in the brain, um, namely with a beta amyloid, cleaning out beta am- what's called beta amyloid plaques, which are associated with um, developing Alzheimer's. Wow, that's incredible. What is exactly regenerative stage of sleep? So, you know, sleep is a complicated beast, and most of the people probably heard light sleep, deep sleep, and REM. And uh, those are sort of the major ways to think about sleep. It's much more complicated than that. But um, when I say deep sleep, I'm talking about that sleep you get in the early Usually, you know, you get it throughout the night, but it's usually the first couple cycles. You know, if you ever got woken up and you're in that really deep slumber, you know, it especially happens when you're like, if you remember being a kid when you get a lot of deep sleep because your brain is developing, you know, and you like don't know where you are and you're totally disoriented. It's because your brain is oscillating at this unique frequency uh, called a, a delta wave. Um, and so your whole brain, it's amazing to see it on the um, EEG machine, um, and they have these really high-resolution uh, devices now. You can literally see the whole brain um, pulsating in this long wavelength brain wave called the delta wave. Um, and that's part of what um, it, behind the process of cleaning out these plaques. So when you're in this state of sleep, typically how long do people last in those states? So it, it goes light sleep, deep sleep, light sleep, REM, and usually it's 90-minute increments around of that, and you get you start out the night, if you ever use like an Aura Ring or an Apple Watch or any of these trackers, you know, we, we give people this information. Um, you'll see, uh, you'll usually get deep sleep in the beginning more, and then you'll get REM later on, because deep sleep, you're basically uh, down-regulating and cleaning out um, things, in your brain and then in REM you replay and integrate that information so you learn things better the next day and I mean that's one of the major reasons why we sleep um, is just for learning uh, that's one of the a lot of research about that so if you can't get to REM what happens to your day-to-day uh, you'll perform worse in a in a time I mean if you're like a student I mean they have all these you'll, you'll perform worse on a test basically um, and then there's a domino I mean, there's effect. A, a lot there's of some, things. There's a domino More effect. More accidents. Yeah, there's a domino effect because it starts playing on itself, correct? Yeah, basically you have, and I studied this in my uh, PhD work, you get these little lapses of attention because your brain is like constantly pattern matching and when you're tired, it just doesn't pattern match as fast so you get these little lapses um, and so you're just slower all around. Sleep deprivation affects so many people and the effects are tremendous and I want to get back to what you where we started when you said you could help people you know get through the the the, uh, help people sleep a little bit better and especially people with kids Um, but sleep deprivation affects so many people in areas of weight gain heart disease diabetes lowered immunities aging of skin Uh, elaborate on some of that if you would yeah so it's really unfortunate that about one in three people are sleep deprived and it's really a function in the united states and if you look at other um countries it can be quite different and you know i believe that it's largely a fu- it's like a cultural thing 
this you know overly hyper capitalistic mentality like uh you know i'll I'll sleep when i'm dead um and people you know the city that never sleeps in new york there's like a um you know it's like people it's like a badge of honor to be sleep deprived (laughs) i think this is changing for sure um but i think in like 50 years from or 20 years from now it, it, it would be equivalent to being someone saying something like, I just smoked like five packs of cigarettes. Because um, wow. when you're sleep deprived, you know, it has pretty really negative um, health outcomes, maybe equivalent to doing something like smoking cigarettes. Um, part of the confusion with the media, and this is why I love speaking to, to, to uh, folks like you, is that, um, you know, they try to it's a complicated thing of how much sleep you need because not only are there individual differences like my sleep is pretty similar within myself um so usually i'll always need around eight hours of sleep this is me personally um and in order to get that i'll probably spend eight and a half to nine hours in bed actually um i could maybe improve my sleep efficiency a little bit but that's just sort of where i'm at right now um and most if people you, need that. Most yeah. people need in that seven to nine hour range. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, there's a consensus report by like a group of top doctors in this space that says adults need seven to nine hours on a regular basis. Um, that's a pretty big range. And you, you know, I have some people that work for me in my company that, you know, I, I've I've tried to help them with their sleep. I thought they were sleep deprived, but this one individual, he just need, he really only needed about seven hours of sleep um, after we sort of evaluated uh, him using some of our technology. But um, most people, you know, aren't getting enough, basically. Um, And so a simple way to figure out if you're getting enough is like, are you tired during the day? Um, You know, you shouldn't be, um, you know, getting too tired during the day. And if, if you're someone that can um doesn't have a problem falling asleep and staying asleep a simple hack is just to take a power nap during your circadian dip and that counts for the sleep you're getting for the day you know um you know you get those rich dreams um but if you're someone who has problems falling asleep and staying asleep it's recommended actually not to take a nap so for folks like myself and other people that are sometimes struggling with sleep mine's inconsistent one one or two nights it'll be great another couple nights it won't and uh the stresses of life get in the way technologies get in the way as i think we all agree the social media the internet access the youtube all these things that are being thrown at all of us now get in the way which could only be harming sleep i would imagine and um yeah so can you please let's go back to where we started uh you said you'd be happy to help how do you start assisting people like myself yeah, I mean, so so one of the first things is to understand exactly what you just articulated there. And there's a famous sleep scientist, uh, Dement at uh, Stanford, who would like bring his students out into nature and remind people, like we were programmed to have environmental cues to expend energy during the day and to sleep at night. You know, we get sunlight during the day, we go out, gather, hunt, you know, socialize. Um, these are all actually biological cues that um, these things in our environment form called chronobiology. And so, you know, if you get 
sunlight at a certain time that's what actually controls the release of like melatonin um or the inhibition thereof and then and um you know that affects your genes actually um in uh, like an epigenetic sort of way so like the environment is impacting your genes <laughs> so once we are understand that then clearly if we have this technology environment when we're covid creatures indoors all the time have the bright lights from our computers aren't being active during the day because we're netflix binging and not uh, unwinding you know we're meant to unwind like an hour before we go to bed um these are all things that make our circadian rhythm flat um and probably something that you're struggling with and i see it a lot with my clients who have children is you know you go through this child child rearing stage sometimes for up to like five years where you sort of have to be a little hyper vigilant at night um you know you're always my, my brother's going through it right now with his with his children and you know that adds to this um flattened circadian rhythm is um possibly what you're dealing with and so what we would try to do and chronic stress is also going to flatten it and that's why my research is about older how trying to help older people because this is what so often happens when we get older unfortunately you sleep worse there's this very strong relationship between age and having sleep problems and it has to do with this stress circadian rhythm the good news is stress created this situation your environment created the situation which also leads to the conclusion that your environment can solve the problems in the situation. Mm. Um, and so, you know, some just simple hacks right off the top are, you know, getting that 30 minutes of sunlight, you know, in the morning, I, I, I definitely around your, before like 12, um, you know, noon typically, I'm trying to have a consistent bedtime. If you're having, um, you know, exercise during that time too and having consistency basically in when you're doing these things. Um, so ideally you would eat, exercise, um, and get light exposure and even uh, socialize at similar sorts of times every, um, and, and, you know, you don't have to be crazy about it. Um, but, you know, th- those are some low-hanging fruit solutions. Yes. Yeah. Sorry if I'm rambling. No, 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 it's okay. I'm just trying to take it in because uh, I find myself quite often, it's weird. It's like I'll wake up at one thirty in the morning It's uh, and I wake up and I'm like, it's probably one twenty-five, and then I look at my clock, oh, there it is, one thirty-seven. You know what I mean? It's like it's very – not every single night but quite often it's in that range and I'm waking up maybe, maybe uh, four hours, three and a half, four hours, four and a half. Yeah, so that's probably because your REM sleep is kicking in. So like – um, sometimes what can happen is when you shift into the lighter stages of sleep later in the night, especially if you had a little stress during the day, this will happen to me personally, the dream will kick me up, um, kick me awake if it's like a stress dream. Um, and I think part of the solution for that um, is, you know, one thing is to have a relaxation ritual before bed to sort of get yourself in the mood. Um, and so and do you have something like that? Um, is is sex included or no? <laughs> That's actually one of our playbook solutions. <laughs> no, I mean that that definitely can help, and there's actually some funny science showing that having an orgasm can help um, men in particular have deeper sleep. Um, then I should be sleeping like a baby every night, Daniel. 
<laughs> well, Mazel <laughs> Yeah, Mazel um, <laughs> um, But, um, I mean, more than that, I mean, if you're like, do you like if you're like watching a lot of TV that's activating close to nighttime, which is something that a lot of I yeah. see a lot of people doing. Yeah, like I'm I mean, very conscientious of like what I'm putting into my mind close to bedtime. Yeah, and that's probably one of my guiltiest charge. That's probably one of the things that I'm doing that's not helping. I'm either watching TV, I'm I'm watching Netflix, I'm watching uh, I'm in Game of Thrones now. I got divorced several years ago, so I don't I have my kids half the time, and that honestly has added to my I think my deep subconscious angst it's just just less control so I you know I worry about them I worry about it's just you know all, everything work work life yeah balance. and I mean one of the big things that's recommended in sleep sciences I, I should just make sure I mention this is after about 15 minutes of not being able to fall asleep to get out of the bed and disassociate somehow from that situation you can even have like a glass of milk is like the old thing that like your grandma told you or whatever um just just to like separate from the situation reading a book sometimes um in a dark room in a dimly lit room and that's called stimulus control so you want to save your bed for sleep and sex only essentially is what they say gotcha what's your take on melatonin like using melatonin as a supplement yeah i mean it's a as a supplement goes it seems oftentimes um you know, it's more natural, so it doesn't have some of the negative effects of like taking a ben, a, you know, a, a, a sleep aid. Um, sometimes the dose, the dosage is something to be aware of. Um, so unless you're really having like insomnia, for example, like a serious someone, or you know, this isn't medical feedback or anything, so your doctor, but um, you know, um, typically like one to three milligrams is scientifically what is recommended sometimes if you take and everyone has some different um tolerances to this uh, a, a, a lot of times just you know start with a smaller dosage too uh, it scientifically has been shown to to be the most effective so around like three milligrams mm, interesting um, but sometimes up to five even ten could be effective yeah i've, um, I've been using ten uh, but i've yeah. used between five and ten and it always seems to work well as long as I don't take it too late, though, I, I still feel that's like, that's the concern. If you do it like too late, and then you get a little groggy the next day, right. you do too much because um, the timing of it is really the most important thing. Because it's not making you tired; it's giving your body the cue that now it's time for sleeping. If that makes sense, like the sleep aids, because it's working on um, the same system as like sunlight, basically. The sleep aids like sort of make you tired. The melatonin tells your body that now is nighttime. What about people that have a glass of wine or a drink before bed, or you know, at dinner time every night? Does that help or hurt? I mean, I'm not like the you know the police about some of the stuff. Like, I'm not like totally against Netflix either. I'm just like per I think this is a lot of this is per per. It's hard to give generic feedback on some of this, and mm. you know that's the struggle. Um, and that's what I was trying to articulate before, like. You know, I usually need eight hours of sleep, but when I'm in healthier Dan mode, um, I can get by on less, like even within myself. And so, like, I'm like aware of that to some level. So I know that if I have like much more than, I'm speaking for myself right now. Right. I mean, I'll drink a drink, um, uh, oftentimes after work to just to cool it, cool it down. Sure. But um, 
you know, I know that if I'll, if I'll do like much more than that, I know it will negatively impact my sleep yes. and I'll just be cognizant of that and maybe take a nap the next day more likely, you know, I'll compensate. Yeah, there's a, a point of diminishing return. Like if you get to the right point, it, it will help calm you down and maybe even let you sleep better. If you do, if you go too much overboard, maybe one or two drinks too many, it's going to affect you negatively. I think that's exactly, and that's why you sort of have to look in yourself. And it's a lot of this is like what I call metacognition, like awareness of where you're at. And, you know, if I was like a super athletic person, I would be in a different place. Then you know, similar to exercise, you'll you'll like hurt yourself if you're you know not stretched out or you know similar analogies there. You um, yes. so it's very individual. You have a PhD in cognitive psychology, and you specialize in this sleep, also artificial intelligence and preventative health. So I know that you are the CEO of an app called Sleep Space. Talk to us a little bit about how this app works and what it does. Yeah, so thanks for bringing it up. Um, you know, my, my PhD work is focused on basically making algorithms to measure sleep and then um, actually do things during sleep to try to enhance it. And when I think about enhancing sleep, I think about sound, light, and temperature. So one of the simple solutions is have a sound machine, and I would recommend that to anybody. Whether it's even a simple fan, you know, we have this dynamic pink noise sounds that me and my girlfriend use every night um, to block out noises that wake you up. Like, you'd be surprised when you look at, like, um, people, people aren't aware of this, and I don't want to, um, sometimes it does more harm than good to bring it up, but it's normal to wake up, like, at, like 10 times throughout the night even without any conscious awareness of it. And, e and you'll see people's brains wake up on an EEG um, throughout the night. And if they're waking up for less than like a minute, they just won't be aware of it. And I'll see in the lab, like even something like an air conditioning will turn on and I'll see their brain wake up on the EEG. It's disrupting their sleep. So a simple solution is a, a sound machine. And then we also try to stimulate de these deep sleep delta waves um, with different sounds um, and then wake you up gradually and like relax you um, before bed and then wake you up gradually um, with a smart alarm clock. And so we call this like a sleep journey that you can program for yourself. Um, and then we give you all the data. We have this algorithm for displaying your sleep quality to you. So you can sort of figure out, you know, what is impacting your sleep. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that you might find if you go much past like two drinks, it'll never negatively impact um, your sleep score on our, on, on our sleep space system. But how, so how is this app tracking you? Is it, you know, without it being attached to your body? Yeah, and so this is the hard problem in sleep science a little bit, which is that, you know, I sleep with an Apple Watch, so it's very accurate for me. Um, I'm willing to do that, but I'm also aware that like 50% of people in our customer research and stuff, don't even want to, you know, don't want to wear anything while they sleep, really. Um, you know, most people sleep, or many people, at least like 40%, I think, sleep like naked or in their, you know, just like their boxers or something. Um, so we had to make sure to also have ways of measuring people's sleep without them wearing anything. Um, so we have a way of using the microphone to measure snoring in sleep. 
Uh, and then also measuring little vibrations. If you sleep alone, you can place the phone uh, at the foot of your bed, basically. No kidding. Wow. That's incredible. So this app is, you said it's a sleep journey app. So over the course of time, it's helping. I'm just trying to figure out how it helps you eventually keep those eyes closed for a longer, more comfortable period. Yeah, I mean, it's similar to like, if you've heard of like Calm or Headspace, like we have these relaxations um, and then we'll um, have these sleep journeys that we'll recommend to you, like based on where you're at. And then we actually have an AI coach that'll sort of guide you through. And I trained um, basically a, a master's in, um, in a medical profession field to deliver these live sleep coaching sessions to people based on the issues that they're dealing with. And oftentimes there's like low hanging fruit, like, you know, um, we also integrate with like smart lights and we work with a close relationship with LifeX um, smart bulbs. And uh, we're working with the Google Assistant team now to try to um, have this seamless system where you literally are just like, hey, gee, I'm not saying it because I don't want to activate my system, but I'm going to bed. Um, uh, and then it'll automatically start what we call the sleep journey, uh, give you feedback, and then give you suggestions uh, using our AI chatbot on how you can improve. This may really take us down a rabbit hole, which I don't want to stray too far from, but talk talk a little bit about this artificial intelligence AI and where you see where you see it going over the coming years. I mean, this is like the medical this everyone all right, just big picture here and you know, yeah. I'm just like a small company. Yeah. But um you know, a lot of people in, in this sort of space see that this is the medical um, world of the future. This is medicine of the future. You know, we don't have, we don't we don't have it there yet. But you know, potentially, um, if we're collecting the data on your sleep quality, and we're one of the most accurate ways of measuring what's what your sleep, we can seamlessly figure out the variables that are impacting your sleep. And so, I would love to have a future. And you know, Apple and Google and Samsung are thinking about all this, where um, I can say. Well, you did all these things yesterday. Um, you didn't do these things these other days. It looks like these things are what impacted your sleep. Let's do a little experiment. Try not to do this for a week. Um, and and that's sort of the system that um, I think is going to – a lot of people are going to think about medicine that way. And, you know, the next step is linking this with clinicians and, and you know, not trying to replace them, which is what I think a lot of – um, techie solutions do, but really trying to augment how they deliver their care um, using um, some of this technology. If your study proves to show that there is a direct correlation between lack of sleep and Alzheimer's disease, where do you go from there? So if we could show that we can, and we use these like bio, these like really sciencey biomarkers to figure all this out, and we, if we actually show this, like it's like a serious, that would be like we could publish it in like the top-notch journals, New England Journal of Medicine and stuff. Um, you know, so this is like a reach thing. I think um, it would be amazing um, to show over a, you know, essentially over an eight-week period that we can reduce some of these biomarkers for Alzheimer's disease by helping people with their sleep. Um, 
And so if we could show that, you know, we could actually make a case to these insurance companies that prioritizing sleep health mm. is going to dramatically reduce the cost to the healthcare system. Um, wow. So, yeah, and, and so, just, so that's, what, that's my goal. <laughs> that's That would be really powerful. And, and just to piggyback off of that, I heard, I don't know the study exactly, but I heard that there was a study that proved that anyone who sleeps less than six hours um, had a 40% greater chance of, of uh, cancer. I don't know if you've seen yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, too. when you look at these numbers, like stuff like that is exactly what we use to, to get these grants. And, and Alzheimer's disease, it's this exact same story. Sleep debt is highly correlated to the the things that we detect to figure out to determine if you have Alzheimer's disease. Um, and they have these they go they, they do these mice studies where they figure out. I'm not a biochemist by any means or a bio or a neuroscientist. I'm a cognitive so, but they understand this at a really deep cellular level. What's going on? And the answer is sleep. <laughs> Yeah. Improving sleep is so important. And I think if our society did sleep better, frankly, we would just be a lot more understanding and nice to each other. And in mm -hmm. the back of my mind, that's something that I'm, I'm trying to work towards. Yeah, and regardless of how, what you felt about uh, uh, Donald Trump, I mean, the guy would only operate on four hours of sleep, which to me is incredibly, to me it's impossible to even imagine that that's good for him or allowing him to operate at an effective level. I mean, the guy has proven to be successful in his life, but I just think to myself, how much better yeah. would he be if he would give himself seven hours a night? <laughs> so, I mean, when I was just talking, I was that's the exact person I was thinking about. I mean, I've looked at him before, and I'm like, this guy needs to sleep a little bit. He's off the wall. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, that's it's, exactly who I was thinking about when I was... Well, because you hear about these people that only need four hours of sleep a night, and it's just the studies show that that's not good for them. Well, I, I just imagine myself on four hours, and trust me, my, my, my significant other does not want to deal with me. Oh, um, I Honestly, I feel when I, when I can't get enough sleep, I'm useless the next day. I need, exactly. at, least seven, I need at least seven, seven and a half. I know yeah. it. I, if I get five and a half, six, six and a half, it's going to be a bad day. Um, yeah, so, um, you know, try to entrench that rhythm and get the sunlight and, you know, it's so hard in COVID now, but, you know, I, this is what I'm struggling with, frankly, is like stimulating myself enough during the day. Mm -hmm. um, so, I, you know, I, I just got myself like a Peloton to try to address that because I used to walk all the time as a New Yorker. Um, and and so, so that's where I'm at right now. And, um, my no sleep personally, but well, the, I, I love to talk to you more about it. Yeah, you mentioned the the fitness thing earlier too. When the days that I work out are typically days I sleep better. There's no doubt about it. And um, I actually just made a purchase of a infrared sauna that should be coming in the next few weeks. So I think that that may help as well. Nice, yeah, and that's one of our solutions too. Is having like red lights at night. So that's part of my wind down ritual that we recommend. Okay. Um, because getting that red light instead of like that bright yellow light um, gives your body the cue of going to bed more basically because the sunset is like red and like fire at night when we were cavemen is red so like we have this like biological cue towards that hue yeah um, that's beautiful so that's another simple hack hey my last one for you before I let you go uh, we talked about people that have sleep deprivation or who struggle like myself at times but you know there are people that obviously have insomnia what do you recommend for those people 
Yeah, I mean, first off, like, see your doctor and try to get cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia. Mm -hmm. That's the recommended treatment for insomnia. And so, like, when we're doing this study, that's, you know, we're working with doctors on doing that. And we're trying to sort of augment what the doctors are doing and make that treatment more accessible to people. Um, I have some resources on my website, too. Um, that talk about what cognitive behavioral therapy is that I'd love I could post I could share with you guys too. Um, sure, and we could link up. Uh, we'll link up sleepspace.com in the show notes and a sleepspace app on Instagram, so people can click. Okay, on cool, it. perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, again, hey, hey, listen, Daniel, this is a, a fascinating topic and subject, and I think something that's still relatively in its infancy stages because you I think you mentioned a couple decades ago nobody was even talking about how important sleep was or the negative ramifications that might come with not getting good night's sleep yeah I mean we were like this we're in this like exercise diet mode when I think we missed the boat we should have been in the sleep mode the whole time yes sir Daniel Gartenberg thank you very much we'll link everything in the show notes and uh, look forward to staying in touch awesome appreciate you thank you